0: you're listening to a podcast from the media motel coming up this week in episode 588 deep fake neighborhood wars touring then and now and madonna's indelicate announcement farewell jennifer aldridge and boris writes a book that's all coming up after dusty springfield and just a little loving a little love in.
1: coffee for starting off the day. Just a little loving when the world is yawning makes you wake up feeling good things are coming your way. The song. See them through, nothing turns the day on, really gets it done, like a little bit of loving from some loving someone, like.
2: dusty's finest moment from her finest mm. album yet it's also the record that in a way ended her career until the much later pet shop boys renaissance yes written by the masterful duo barry man and cynthia wild mm. um, who by the way are still writing still married did
3: not know that wow that's great news
2: they married in 1961
3: Wow. And
2: that, so there'll be what sixty-second wedding anniversary That's this incredible.
3: year. That's incredible. That's good for them. That's great.
2: Yeah. Um, the album reached only number ninety-nine on Billboard. Didn't chart at all in the UK. So as I'm saying, it ended her mm. career. Um, from the splendid Dusty in Memphis, which is re-
3: mad given how how critically acclaimed that is now, and it's seen as one of the greatest records ever made, isn't it? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I, I would year. I would agree yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I would say it's fits into that category yes. neatly but as you say at the time largely ignored it was those released are. this month in 1969 dusty springfield and just a little Lovin.
3: absolutely perfectly put i love that album i just find it so weird that it didn't sell all of my favorites nick drake you know all those people mm. were but fell flat and then you know all those records fell flat in their lifetimes and then now it's you know they're seen as the great touchstones
2: well, I've been thinking a lot about Dusty mm. this week because she wasn't um, an enigma. Uh, she mm. was the same age, a year older than Lennon and Ringo, mm. uh, same age as the Beatles, but she seemed always much older. She, yes, and of course, she didn't morph into psychedelia. Of course, she no. did. Nor did she move with the times like Lulu did. Lulu covering David Bowie and so on. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Dusty doing that would have been ridiculous.
3: Even Ella had a go at the pop album, didn't she? Ella Fitzgerald and great effect. Yes,
2: exactly. Um, Dusty, she did seem a bit odd at the mm. time and of course later was diagnosed with bipolar uh, mm. disorder and also i think what was interesting is being clearly gay yes. in the mid-1960s that was not easy either she had um, long periods of instability there was some strange mm. incidents she lost Almost all of her teeth when her then partner mm. hit her in the mouth with a saucepan um, in, in the early 1980s. Uh, they didn't That's crazy. Stay I
3: never, I'd never heard that. That's yeah, awful. yeah. So
2: she, um, she had dentures uh, after that. I think her voice and performances um, mirrored her mental state in that she was. Um, She was Mary O'Brien playing the role of Dusty Springfield, a bit like Reg Dwight performs as Elton John. Yes,
3: absolutely. Those
2: are inward-looking people using performance to look Mm. out at the world. And I think maybe Dusty's slight awkwardness and distance Mm. interpreted as as cool at the time – Prevented a being in to take, take into people's hearts yes. like Scylla or Lulu or Paul McCartney, her contemporaries.
3: I think that's very well put. And, you know, that's made me think, I suppose, slightly different personalities, but not hugely, I don't think. I tell you who I think my d- generation's Dusty Springfield was was going off that, going off all those things you say. I think Amy Winehouse might have mm. been performing mm-hmm. the role of Amy Winehouse and unfortunately yes. it did not end happily. Yeah. Um, the, not just the beehive thing, although isn't it interesting how beehives are often used as armour, aren't they? Mm. Hair being used as, as kind of a sort of a shield against the world. I mean, yeah. I was... Gabrielle yeah, does that as well. Absolutely. Very taken by the um, by the footage of her when we saw that, when Motown came to Britain, that, that lovely programme we watched yes. we, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mm. loved the footage of her and Martha Reeves singing and laughing. Thing together and you know Dusty Springfield was an incredibly striking looking woman that used image really well I think but as you say she almost sort of hid behind it and it was sort of obvious she was using image wasn't it really mm. it wasn't yes. she didn't have the girl next door appeal like you say of of Scylla or even Lulu particularly who like you say, moved with the times very well also Lulu incredibly underrated I think I was thinking about her yesterday catching up on old Top of the Pops 1993 on uh, on my my recorder off of BBC Four, and she was on performing with Take That. And, and it's, it's, like, it's
2: really good.
3: Yeah, it's, it's great doing Relight My Fire. As my friend said, the beginning of Relight My Fire suffers because you spend two and a half minutes sitting waiting for Lulu to turn exactly. up and then yeah. Lulu turns up and it is outstanding because she is brilliant. Like you say, I love Dusty Springfield as a performer. As a singer particularly, some of her soul stuff, I, I usually play. I mean, I'll, I'm doing a family party DJ engagement tomorrow night and they want lots of soul and Northern Soul and Motown at the beginning, and I will inevitably play her version of "Can I Get a Witness" and her mm. version of, of, of uh, "Is It live It Up." And it's she's just she's so good. She's she's you know she's such a talent. But like you say, never quite found her. Never quite found a a wider place or a sort of longer game, really. And and sounds like the last part of her life was not very happy from what you say. But uh, fair play to Neil Tennant and the Pet Shop Boys Mm. for knowing a good thing when they saw it, recognising an untapped talent and giving her a bit of a, a bit of a kind of an Indian summer of her career, really, with what have I done to deserve this.
2: And I would say if you've um, at, at home, you've not heard Dusty and Memphis and um, are unaware of it. It's it's only 33 yes. minutes long. Give it a, give yes, it a go. Give it absolutely. a go on Spotify or YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a wonderful album. Yes.
3: Agreed.
2: Welcome to Parish Council number 588. I'm Terence Dackham. And well, it's the question everyone's asking. Of <laughs>
3: I minutes. always dread this bit every single week
2: is she taking over at everton (laughs) <laughs> Let's ask
1: Juliet Harris.
3: Do you know that is one of the least offensive questions <laughs> you've ever asked me in this slot. I must say, oh, R.I.P. Super Frank. Hopefully, yes. he will come back. I know some Everton fans that are genuinely sad at how things have panned out. Mm. I thought his his resignation kind of tweets, or rather his "I've been sacked" tweets, were at were typically gracious and pleasant. I thought I like Frank a lot. I, I hope I hope things work out better for him in the future. Although I do feel I did was quite amused by the fact that. Having spent years of, 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 of the press obsessively tying him and the fate of Steven Gerrard together in the <laughs> England team, we've now got the—they've both failed as managers. What is the future going to hold for them? To things are now—they're they're, they're Romulus and Remus, really, aren't they? They're bound together forever. <laughs> the Cain and Abel of football. <laughs> yes. Anyway, hello everybody.
2: Or well, some would say Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Oh,
3: bless them. Anyway.
2: One of the biggest leaps in our lifetime has been, of Mm. course, the advancement of technology. There's an an argument, a debate to be had as to whether the positives outweigh the negatives. Yes, But the changes that have been brought into our lives are startling from simple things like telling an echo Mm. dot to turn a light on to computers, smart TVs the whole world in a phone the size of a matchbox yes but we can see where everything may go weird in our world with artificial intelligence and particularly deep fake video Mm. effects many people would have seen um that they they went viral those tom cruise fake videos yes a year ago incredibly like the real thing well we can see how this can be taken a stage further in a new itv series Deep Fake Neighbour Wars. It's a sketch show, but computer assisted. Jules, um, you watched the first episode this week and maybe you can tell us a bit more about it.
3: Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to make of this, really. Like you say, I mean, I've spent a week of being increasingly frightened by AI. I'm happy to admit that. Mm. Reading the things about chat GPT, Mm. um, you know, these these bots. I mean, I'll try and explain them. I'm not really sure I understand them myself. But basically, uh, researchers and technologists have, have written these kind of programs, these sort of bot programs that... Are able to to do things like compose poetry, and it, that one passed a medical exam in New York, I think, or something. I find it really frightening. I don't yes. like it, Terence. I, no. I, I find it really disconcerting. And there was a, the the. Well, I've mentioned this before, so apologies if you heard me talk about this before. But I still think. I hope that it is one day recognised as one of the genius things of our age. The Russell T Davis drama Years and Years that was on BBC One that was a six-part drama that weirdly had suffered from poor viewing figures because it was too close to home. It just They decided they would cover a 25-year period in the life of a family from 2019 to 2034 and the things that this programme kept predicting kept happening. Like Notre Dame was not on fire when this series started and it predicted it was on fire and it was on fire at the end it was very disconcerting and it followed the the um the career of viv rook um a sort of a, a a katie hopkins style figure that ends up becoming prime minister portrayed to great effect by emma thompson in a role not really like her usually and um there's a bit uh, towards sort of two-thirds of the way through where people have deep faked politics, her uh, opposing politicians um saying things and you then see the politicians becoming very distressed it, it looks like they're saying awful things and they haven't said them. To so which Vivro replies, Yeah, but they meant it though, didn't they? And so so it's very so so it has huge implications. So I watch this with a kind of a a sense of trepidation really. All this really is is a sketch show. It's almost a bit like Alistair McGowan in that it's sort of a, or spitting image or something. And that these characters are sort of made up to be like famous people and satirizing famous people. But I find that I found the deep faking, the thing that, that that ruins the authenticity of it is that the voices aren't right. Or some of the voices are over exaggerated, like they would be on, on, you know, with Ronnie Ancona and, and, and Alistair McGowan. But, So I found it difficult to take this, if you pardon the pun, at face value. I found it hard to sort of take it as a kind of a sketch show. Some of it. I thought was actually quite funny. I enjoyed the conceits that these people that we know as being famous were um, were sort of Kim Kardashian, the bus driver. I very much enjoyed, it. And I enjoyed the, the deadpan narration and the way that it was actually very realistic about one of those awful programs that you see on, I have to say, on ITV, which we watch this on and, you know, Idris Elba, and a kid, uh, Idris Elba the builder and Kim Kardashian's neighbor dispute over their communal garden. I, I wanted to like it very much because there were parts of it that, that I thought were quite well-written and quite clever. Um, the other storyline involving Ariana Grande and Coroner McGregor The Christmas House and their neighbour Greta Thunberg. I didn't quite buy that so much. I, I thought they were in danger of sort of you know, hammy kind of Swedish accent on Greta Thunberg, although it did improve towards the end with her video letter complaining about the Christmas lights. This was an odd one. It, it like all things like spitting image and and, and the impression things, the uh, the best thing I've ever heard for impressions in terms of comic writing matching it is Dead Ringers on, on Radio 4. That's the only thing I've ever heard that's really worked very well. It was a bit of a distraction, the face thing, I must say. It was, it was... It may be all, again, if you pardon the pun, it's just masking a fairly run of the mill, occasionally amusing, but not that great sketch show, isn't it? When you boil it down. Yeah.
2: Yes, I, <clears throat> I think that's right. I mean, the first thing to say is that the deep fake technology was outstanding. Yes, it was. Um, it, it, Visually, yes, uh, extraordinarily agreed. authentic. Um, I can imagine that it was relatively inexpensive as a show to put together, but I yes. don't know how much work goes into the creation mm. of, the, of the fakes. It was very much a bit like an updated version of Spitting Image, yes. but uh, not, not caricatures, um, making the people look as realistic as they could. Mm. I wonder if they've painted themselves into a corner with the rather niche idea of putting them all into neighbour. Wars. I mean, there's the six episodes of this, so whether it will, you know, it gives it very limited scope. So there's there's three
3: people next time. Apparently, rihanna is a single mother that's involved in a neighbour dispute. So, so although again, a little bit, a little bit, I roll it how they treated the women in this compared to how they treated the men. Why is it always the women that end up as single mothers anyway? That's just me having a feminist grumble. But go on. Uh, Yeah. Um,
2: Maybe, uh, maybe they could widen it out so everyone lives in the same street and then they can interact in wider situations. But then I thought, is that a little bit too close to that um, show, Stella Stella Street, Street, which was
3: brilliant. Now, that was genuinely good. Sorry, I Mm. take it back. That was great. I very much enjoyed The Corner Shop and Mick Jagger. That was that was extremely good.
2: I'm not sure if I'm going to be a regular viewer of this, Mm. I have to say, I probably won't rush to watch again. It was interesting to for the novelty of seeing how they did it. But once you've seen, um, say, a dog dancing on its back legs, you don't really want need to go and see it, you know, six times in a row. I suspect that's
3: probably right. I think the writing would have to be a bit better to keep me. I don't think it was that bad, actually. I liked it more as it went along. I thought it was quite... I thought it was I, I, what I did like was I thought that the that the Idris Elba character genuinely spoke like the people on those neighbour programmes do speak I thought he was he was genuinely convincing yeah. as this sort of cross neighbour that had put CCTV cameras because his bus driver neighbour kept sunbathing in the communal garden I mean I overhear sometimes some of my colleagues dealing with 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 sort of disputes at work and it's not dissimilar it is the mundane and it is people that often with too much time on their hands and not enough space to do things in um yeah it's it's i thought that was quite good if this was was on i might not turn it off but i probably wouldn't make an effort to, to seek it out
2: anybody that um is part it belongs to a Facebook Facebook community group <laughs> yes. with recognizing situations yes,
3: absolutely. Well, all
2: this is, too readily. This,
3: well, my friend referred to this at work as nextdoor.tv yes. and it is, isn't it? Anybody that's ever had the misfortune become ensnared in the nextdoor website. And I occasionally get emails from it. Someone outed somebody is having an affair on our local one once. That was the most interesting it's ever been.
2: Exactly. Um Deep Fake Neighbour Wars, Mm -hmm. series one. It's on ITVX and it's free. Coming up next, Touring Then and Now uh, with Iron Maiden and Madonna. That's right after Deborah Harry and Franz Ferdinand.
1: I want to live alone Because the greatest love is always ruined By the bickering, the argument of living I want to live alone, I could be happy on my own, live the rest of my life with the vaguest of feelings. the greatest, but I'm in love with you, want to stay in love with you, so I'm gonna live alone, yeah I'll be happy on my own, live the rest of my life, with the vaguest of feelings,
3: I've long been a fan of, of Deborah Harry and Blondie, and I came across this, this funny little EP a little while ago, which was um, an EP of Franz Ferdinand covers done by some quite notable people in places. And... um this is Franz Ferdinand, the band. Basically, it's Debbie Harry fronting Franz Ferdinand, which is something that I like very much as a concept. I think it's a stunning vocal performance by by Deborah Harry. Um, a Sort of a, an imperious sort of late period vocal. I, one of her best later life vocals, I think I've heard. I think it's absolutely outstanding. Um, it's from this EP called Franz Ferdinand Covers EP. And there's some great... I, I struggled to pick one, actually, because there's some... Hmm. Brilliant stuff on this. Um, New York um, post-punk sisters ESG doing what she came for, which is really good. And there's Peaches and LCD sound system and Stephen Merritt from Magnetic Fields as well. So it's a great lineup. But no, I'm really charmed by that. I like the original song, but I think that's such a better version. And I love when, you know, having had this lovely sort of stately performance by Debbie Harry, you then get Franz Ferdinand sort of rocking up towards the end. I think it, it's great. I love it. It's, it's, Actually, it's Live lovely. Alone. Sorry, the song's called Live Alone. Yeah. Live Alone. Yeah, it's lovely.
2: It's completely new to me. Do you think Franz Ferdinand would have had or would have greater success if they didn't have such a daft name?
3: possibly although i think it's quite cool actually i, 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 so. I, I don't have because I,
2: have... I had it in sort of prefab sprout syndrome you well, know not something that people would scratch onto their
3: well subject. quite quite there was that they had good logos and good laugh, graphic design though to help that um what was i going to say oh yes um there was a band that were very sort of highly thought of in the nme remember this have been late 90s early 2000s but as someone said once they never got this as they deserved because they were called Murray the Hump and it was slightly embarrassing go, name. Yeah. so it toad just goes the to show sprocket,
2: yes you know. absolutely just, if, you, if you give you it, the it might be really amusing when you're forming a your band and you're down the pub you've had a few drinks <laughs> let's call ourselves um, you know toad the wet sprocket yeah. or whatever um, but later on it comes I, back hmm, to bite you
3: I don't I don't have the issues I think the, the, the issues more with Franz Ferdinand was yeah. that I, I like them very very much, but their sound didn't really develop that much, uh, made, uh, they made some, I mean the first three albums I really like a, a uh, lot and the first one I listen to constantly and still do, I'm still glad to hear it but they sort of wandered off a bit and they they did a very odd album with Sparks called FFS which I I, <laughs> I, I never quite clicked with despite liking both bands a, mm. a friend of mine said once with great disdain all the songs sound like that from a musical you've never heard, she wasn't a fan so um, and yeah and they, they they recently parted company with their drummer I think and, oh, and they're okay. still they're still touring and still releasing records I think but um, I have to say weirdly I thought they might go in a different direction the singer used to be a chef and he used to write a really good column for the Guardian called Sound Bites and they released a, a, a book of them because I've been bought that book by three different people over the years and <laughs> never wanted to That's... tell anybody that they weren't the first person to buy it and yeah. he's a good writer and it's a really interesting book they're really good and he he was sort of because he's always been interested in food, every time they went on tour, he would review restaurants in places and things. (laughs) So so yeah, I'm a fan of Franz Ferdinand. Like you say, perhaps not releasing a back catalogue of albums to to necessarily trouble the greats, but that's a that's a great song and a great interpretation by Derry Harry.
2: Yeah, it really is. I have to confess the discography of the band Iron Maiden has largely Mm. passed me by in life. It's just we've never really coincided. It's nothing personal. They may be the greatest of all time as far as I know. Mm. I just don't have an awareness of their work. Iron Maiden have been brought back into the media spotlight this month because Royal Mail in the UK has issued a set of stamps celebrating their music, and in particular, their mascot, Mm. Eddie the A. Yes. Um, (laughs) By the way, the basic set of stamps costs £11.50 in a special wallet. But, of course, you can buy the Iron Maiden Royal Mail limited edition set for £149.99. Oh. I mean, first a aid covers test. have
3: always been around that sort of price. But oh, yes, 11, 11, the, 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 no, sorry, the £11 one. Oh, was, the £11, that, yeah, that's yeah. fine. But mm. this is a new, this is a non-fungible token style development, yes, isn't it, yes. for the modern world? It's not even got George Harrison's garden known with it. That's worth <laughs> paying all that. That's still the best thing that we've, and a bit of his lawn, that's still the best thing we've. Uncovered of these special boxes.
2: <laughs> um, Jules, I was looking at a list of Iron Maid constant concert tours mm. since around 1980 and i noticed they're almost constantly on tour and this is somewhat helped though in that they have their own aeroplane and the lead singer
3: is their pilot yes that's very true so i can confess to you seti i have seen iron maiden live in concert my i went to see the 30th anniversary of the maiden england tour in 1983 with my bandmate's husband who whose best friend that he was meant to be going with ended up in corporate hospitality with O2. And my bandmate basically begged me to go with her husband so that she would have someone to go with. And he made the argument, and I thought it was very well put, that I said, I haven't he said, have you seen any metal show? I said, well, no, I haven't. He said, well, if you're going to see a heavy metal show... This is it. This is this is a big deal. I was like, okay, fine. Right. And we are going back some time now. So, too we had standing tickets in the O2 to see Iron Maiden in 2013, and it was 65 pounds a head.
2: Yeah, you are going back so in time. So that's a
3: decade yeah. yeah so so we paid, and I was very struck so I wasn't it was great seeing them with Ian because I didn't, I I knew Run for Run the Hills or whatever it was and a couple of others, Aces High I think I knew but I didn't know very much so he acted as my DVD director's commentary and as each song started he was very patient and good at explaining what they were Um, and the thing I loved about it was that they were basically spinal tap but in real life so when the the shows started and the lights went down, there was this like huge it was great. It was just like a spinal tap show. There was this huge kind of, there was this very portentous music, like a sort of an instrumental that sounded a bit like those open university programmes when they used to have music in the background, do you remember? And um, yes. yeah, and they would be like, this is a documentary about sedimentary rock or something. Well, what happened was all was this kind of woo sort of music starts and this huge like video screens shows this enormous iceberg, like huge, and then a load of fireworks erupt on the stage indoors Doors. And Bruce Dickinson comes running down the middle, belting out this song, whatever it is, in a big long leather coat, and the whole band are just smashing out this music. And like you, Iron Maiden kind of passed me by a bit, mm. but that place was sold out, and it was full of sort of slightly outsider people. I would say I was—we were having we had a really interesting conversation when my friend was queuing for a T-shirt, um, and Iron Maiden, by the way keep themselves going with t-shirt designs all of the t-shirt designs feature Eddie the Ed, the, the character there was an, as, as Ian, Ian put it halfway, he said, oh yes, he said to me, it will happen soon, the unveiling of Eddie, and they did unveil like a huge eight foot kind of high <laughs> mascot of Eddie the Ed on stage but as I noticed, there were 20 different t-shirt designs for sale at wow. 25 quid a throw Whoa. and everybody in there was in an Iron Maiden t-shirt buying a different Iron Maiden t-shirt, I mean they, and Ian said, yeah, they're known for this, because all All of the designs are... I mean, I'm sorry. I think they're horrible, but they're in that kind of sort of I mean, metal. They're all black, inevitably, and they're all in these kind of sort of these, these kind of. They've got an, a a distinctive logo. We drank Iron Maiden Trooper beer on the way up that we bought in a supermarket. This <laughs> is a band that knows how to work yeah. a marketing opportunity. Very shrewd businessman is Bruce Dick, is brutal because as well as a, an excellent commercial pilot by all accounts. But um, yeah. So so Mike, so, so I have actual experience of having seen them in a stadium, and like you, pass me by. Mm. But they have a very loyal fan base and we had an interesting conversation with a social worker i think or someone that was in that kind of way my cheery woman that was queuing for a t-shirt and she said that she'd found and that it was and we sort of have made that observation but haven't wanted to say it that they were it was very they're very much loved of um sort of people on the on the uh, the uh, the autistic spectrum um okay. they're, they're very because they they make the sort of music that is a bit different every time but never really changes and the t-shirts sell well because they're the same thing but there's a slightly different version each time i can't quite explain mm. it but um yeah so we they very much seem like a kind of an outsider's band in that there were loads of people there by themselves just getting lost in the music and, and I, I actually enjoyed watching people that, that socially, in some cases, seemed like quite awkward. Really getting lost in Iron Maiden as as, as a kind of a band and the thing. So actually, for all that, I enjoyed the concert a lot. I enjoyed Ian explaining to me what the songs were, and um, we left just before the end. We left, I think, we would heard Ace's High in the encore, and then we and then we popped off. But um, it, it, you know, I didn't go home and then listen to loads of Iron Maiden because they're not <laughs> usually my thing. But no. as a spectacle and as an evening out, I would very much recommend it. It was great. They they played like they meant it and we had a great time
2: well clearly i am made more popular than i knew because mm. with this royal mail stamps business they're only the fifth band to be mm. given this feature uh, here's a spur of the moment quiz who are the Ooh. other four
3: the beatles
2: correct rolling stones correct
3: are they bands or are they are they all
2: bands yeah all, all bands
3: all, all um uh,
2: heritage bands
3: okay queen 3 out of 3 Oh, who would the fourth one be, then? Hmm. Um, the Who?
2: No, Good the Good. Jam. No, um, warring, um, oh, the Jam? No. Warring participants. Oh, Isis? No. Another band that... Kings. Pink. Pink. Lloyd.
3: Ah, well that makes sense That and also these bands often have very sort of iconic album covers or, or kind yes, of great design yeah. to them and maybe this is the key, Iron Maiden's design might not be to everybody's taste and their logos but I, they, if if I was given their logo with different writing, I would know what it was straight away. And like and like we said, I'll never see. want to never want to pass up a marketing
2: opportunity. Well, now that makes sense because I mean, no disrespect to them whatsoever, but I thought Beatles, Queen, Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. Rolling Stones. Iron
3: Maiden it just I know, you know I know but but but, but one consider... one suspects that Royal Mail have yeah. done market research yeah, on this yeah, yeah, and I it. I suspect they have and and you know my experience of Iron Maiden fans was that you know sure. having a having a, a, a stall of Iron Maiden t-shirts is the nearest thing I've ever seen to a license to print money so <laughs> so maybe maybe they've realized that Iron Maiden have an incredibly loyal fan base that will buy They will buy anything. Either that or this is yet another expensive mistake by Royal Mail. It could be be that too. It's not going great for them, is it? No, No,
2: not at the moment. Now, also out on tour this year is Madonna. Um, mm. who announced uh, this tour by posting just about the most tasteless video you that could imagine. Was, that
3: was, I mean, she's not, speaking oh, of people not having a good time, hot huh. on the heels of her stinky performance at Eurovision three, three, four years ago, which was not good in Tel Aviv. That was, yeah, that that was, yeah, she's not, she's not, she's not making the best of herself, Madonna, at the moment, is she? No,
2: and again far be it from me to make personal comments if she wants to have <laughs> extensive work done on her face that's her affair but she doesn't look like madonna anymore no she, she, she yeah, really it's, doesn't
3: it's not, it's not
2: good is it for the uk leg of the tour uh mm. madonna ha- she's received a great deal of criticism for the ticket costs at her gigs at london's mm. o2 arena as yes. just discussed um a handful were available for just under fifty pounds, but most um, are around the four hundred pound mark, and already the secondary market is offering tickets at the three thousand pound mark. So, Ouch. so I mean, it's a scandal, right? But hold on, is it because?
3: Mm, go on, try I'm and sell to this to me, Santi. So yes.
2: Okay. First of all, you think it's too expensive? Don't go. I mean, just as I might, I might want to spend my winters mm. in the Caribbean. I don't say, <laughs> well, you can't charge me £50,000. I only want to pay 500 I recognise it's out of my budget and I don't go. It's not mandatory to attend a Madonna concert. No, we've but, we've yeah. we, we, we just all got confused by pricing models. And I want to give a very quick example, Jules, and then see if you support me in okay, this. Right. Go
1: on.
2: It's an, here's the example. I go to a lot of football matches and I see a large number of people wearing replica shirts. You can see yes. people also wearing these out and about. Almost any community, any town. I
3: I attended the gym in a replica football shirt the other evening. So, yes, people do wear, they do walk amongst us.
2: Now, they're essentially four pieces of polyester sewn together with, in some cases, a collar. They sell, well, in my Chelsea megastore, as an example, they sell for Mm -hmm. £75 for your basic shirt to £90 if you have a name and a number on the back. I can go to Primark, or Primark if you wish, and buy. A <laughs> I mean, you t-shirt. can go to
3: either or, yes.
2: Either is. or, I can buy a T-shirt. Also, four pieces of material sewn together, yes. and it costs me about four or five pounds. So just as nobody forces football supporters to pay nearly a hundred pounds for a shirt that costs maybe a tenth of that to make, Jules, nobody is being frog marched to the O2 to see Madonna. <laughs> if you can't afford, if you can't afford to buy a Rolls Royce.
3: By a mini. Well, so you're, what you're saying is we should all we should all go and see Mad on her the tribute act instead of Madonna, isn't that? It's, I mean, to be fair, she, it, I think she might be better nowadays. Exactly. When, so. when she did like a prayer at, um, at Eurovision. Yeah. Every, we all sang along and one person was not singing in tune. And very unfortunately for all concerned, that person was Madonna. Um, it's a, it's a, it, it, yeah, I can kind of see the point you're making, but it's, I suppose really, it, I, I guess, I guess it depends, uh, you know, this, this ultimate talk of the fans and who are you, who are you performing for? I guess that the fact of the matter is, is that when you were talking about heritage acts, I was thinking to myself, I suppose Madonna is technically a heritage. Act now, isn't she? I think she's trying. She's making more of an effort to play sustain the game and release. I have to say, not terribly good albums in recent years. The best, the, the her last great album, I think, was which has made some great records. Was Confessions on a Dance Floor, and that was two thousand and six. So, so you know, I, I see her, you know, as more of a heritage act. Mm. And in which case, if she is a heritage act, then you could argue. Is Madonna still relevant to young people? Is she still relevant to young fans, or is it people like me and above who want to go and see her now? Who, was someone put it beautifully, when we were watching the Delgados, we were talking about how rock fans age over time, and we said that what was made that so lovely and so emotional was there were people like me there who clearly had liked them as teenagers and had sort of stayed the course throughout, and it wasn't so much it wasn't so much uh, sort of people there who had babysitters; it was people there whose adult kids were now at university who suddenly. Had had lots of free time. And there's per- a woman I've spoken to so said to me, She went, Yeah, you know, you look i Well, like, oh, yeah, everybody here's got cars, haven't they? And mortgages and jobs. And I wonder if Madonna is now aiming at the people with cars market rather than the 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 you know the the gay 17-year-old teenagers that once would have been her fans. For so whom she was very important, can I just say? But um so as a result of which, if that is your audience, then to some extent you can charge what you like, can can't you? My only yeah. argument would be You'll end up with Roy Keane's prawn sandwich brigade, won't you? You'll end up with people, and I think ultimately these artists might realise: Are you going to end up with a with you know a place with screaming fans that love you, that know your music, that really appreciate it, or are you going to get people who wander in and out? Because for them. 400 quid is is is, is small change mm. it's not like the people with whom we had sympathy who booked holidays to go and see adele which were the, exactly. was being cancelled that i that's probably not madonna's market anymore madonna's market is well maybe we'll find out we don't know who madonna's market is madonna's market is probably affluent gay people like me who want to go and watch her you know is it is it going to be in a supportive audience or have you priced yourself out of genuine fans? And do you just end up with casual affluent fans who don't have attachments to you in the same way that other fans might and might not be the screaming audience you might be asking? I could be completely wrong, could be entirely wrong, but it, it's just interesting. Yes, by all means, if that's what you want to do, then do it. But it might not have it might it might have side effects that you might not have predicted if you're a performing artist.
2: I think you're absolutely on the nail. I think it's the casual uh, fans now, not fa- casual uh, attendees.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's because... people It's people from Goldman Sachs and and, yes, uh, and, and all those city merchant bankers whose wives want to go and see Madonna. So they get tickets. Either they buy them or they might get corporate tickets. But, you know, it's people with big jobs who might, you know, oh, I quite like Madonna or, you know, I listen to her greatest hits on Spotify. My wife likes Madonna and they go and they're not that bad. Or they really, or or they go because they can tell their friends they've gone to see Madonna. And if you go
2: now to um, any of the, the, the venues with the huge names, so say the Rolling Stones at Hyde yeah. Park, or Barbara Streisand at the yes. O2 in Greenwich, during the performance of the main act, the Stones or mm. Streisand or whatever, you'll find large pockets of people all around chatting to each other yes. and treating it as if it was just a jukebox in the background in a pub. Exactly. And also yeah. people streaming to the bars and coming back with yes. great big trays of, you know, six lagers and sort yes. of four hot dogs and whatever during the performance. Now, you can't tell me um, that, that those are, you know, fanatical diehard fans. Uh, yeah, die-hard fans. So simply not... But you know what? As as the human race, we've uh, we've allowed – it, it, double standards to pre- prevail because i was thinking about um w- w- funnily enough when i was thinking about dusty and memphis earlier mm. this week and i was thinking about um vinyl records and i was thinking it, i understand i researched i looked this up this week uh researched it i just looked up on google it costs about two to three pounds it costs to produce a vinyl album taking all costs into account mm. that's from having nothing to having the finished model that goes in the shop nowadays it costs it seems the cost of buying a vinyl album is anywhere from 20 pounds upwards and usually upwards from that so a minimum of 10 times cost to profit ratio Mm. yet people pay it without a second thought so isn't it it's possible to understand therefore madonna selling 40 pound tickets for 400 pounds yeah it's
3: the same thing yeah I guess it's true isn't it when you put it because I wasn't quite sure the economics of that so when you put it like that yeah it'd be interesting though I wonder I go back to my point though. how satisfying is it to perform to people who care more mm. about a hot dog than they do about you or has or have people gone past the point where they care about that more to the point where they just care about money and they just do it because everybody around them is telling them um, and they Madonna strikes me as one of these people who's who stopped being able to hear the word no about 25 years ago oh, so it's I could, be, I could be wrong on that but um, I I my favorite ever quote about Madonna and again this is just someone expressing their opinion was she first started off as a sort of a, a kind of a dancer and she made very early appearances sort of club appearances at the Hacienda in Manchester when it was still open I think doing sort of PA's to she had a song called Everybody that was very early on Jellybean Martinez I think was that was when he was still involved in producing her and it was almost sort of house really it wasn't I know she was always a sort of a dance pop act but it was more sort of house and more sort of club pas and i remember mike pickering from m people once being quoted as saying fame didn't change madonna she was always rude pushy and horrible and i quite like that as a sort of a as a sort of a kind of a guy yes fame warped some people but some people just are always like that i did a
2: very very quick very rough sort of what what the old expression back of a fag packet yes Um, um A bit of addition and multiplying um, yesterday, and I figured I was looking at the venues that are already confirmed for the Madonna world tour, the capacities, the ticket prices. Oh, but
3: they're they're huge aircraft hangars, aren't they? They are.
2: She'll she'll clear a hundred million dollars or pounds whichever you like which
1: is uh, mad, i mean clear
2: it? i don't mean um yeah you know t- um, the the turnover i think she'll no. clear a hundred million um quid or dollars and that's without merchandise i reckon we could yeah. probably add another twenty million in oh, merchandise absolutely. on that.
3: absolutely yeah because because you've got if you've got the you know the sort of the um yeah the, the kind of the affluent people that go they wouldn't not get merchandise so if someone and, said yeah.
2: to madonna right you're gonna be playing to a lot of people that you know are just you know, going yeah, through the motions art, yeah. here, but you're going to get 120 million quid. Yeah, you know, that says everything. I
3: but think. maybe that is why Madonna has not made a good record for yeah. getting on for 20 years because because she's not in the business of making good records anymore. She's in the yeah. business of business, and that's yeah. you know, fine if that's your choice, that's your choice. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting. It's it's what what you care about more than anything else, really. And I saw a really interesting interview with Lady Gaga once. I think she was on Graham Norton, and. She appeared on this sort of, you know, Graham Norton, and she was just, you know, a bit wackily, but not overly so. And she just came across as a really sensible and calm and nice woman. And they said, oh, why haven't you agreed to this? And I was going to do that. And she said, oh, I don't know. How much money does anybody really need? Mm. And she went on. To be fantastic in *A Star Is Born*, and she's now she was really good in *House of Gucci*. And and you think, well, Lady uh, Lady Gaga's you know has continued to make records that I think are pretty good. I mean, not all of her records are great, but but you know she continues to make records that are interesting and continues to do interesting things. I'm sure she's made a heck of a lot of money, but equally, I think it is possible. And you know, she would admit herself that Madonna is a huge influence on her. But I think it is possible to square the circle on that. You can doing make money and still do interesting things as she's done very well i think and actually madonna did back in the day some of madonna i know madonna's involvement with guy Ritchie, you know some of the dreadful films like swept away and elizabeth R. and things like that um are not terribly well thought of but back in her day she was a decent actress she was good in she was good in things and you know it's a shame that she's ended up like i say in the business of business really
2: Mm, that's right and there was a there was a time when a new madonna single in particular was like really exciting Yeah, exactly i mean
3: madonna greatest hits is incredible Mm. i mean she has seen you know one of the greatest singles artists ever for sure and i think she's made some some good some really good albums i've talked about condition of the dance floor i love ray of light i think that is such an underrated album it's aged really well i listen to it regularly and it's a lovely lovely record like a prayer is brilliant you know but you just get, you can't get away from the fact that, you know, that Hard Candy, there are a couple of decent singles from Hard Candy. I will give it that, give it to me as good, but you know, it's, it's slim pickings for the last 15 to 20 years and that, and that there's no getting away from that really. And and it's very telling that this is a greatest hits tour. She's not got a, she's not got an album to, to, to will she ever have another great album to flog? I suspect not. Um, Madame X was certainly not it. So, um so, maybe this is a last lap who knows she hasn't called it the retirement tour because i don't think madonna would ever admit to retiring but um yeah you know she she clearly knows where 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 you know where her what people want to hear and it isn't Madame x is it
2: no maybe she could do a few more youtube videos
3: i mean or, or maybe perhaps for the for the good of everybody principally no. her she could not
2: Yes. coming right up a major news story in Ambridge and mm. why we don't need to buy celebrities books that's next <laughs> after Ox.
4: Packing up your things to send them back who knew the last time I saw you will be the last time I saw you and writing a letter that'll sit in your hands won't make me feel better about Um out.
2: I love the way this duo mix in mm. lovely hooks and choruses into their punk energy. It's the new single from Brighton-based ARCs, and that's the last time.
3: I wasn't familiar with them, despite spending regular time in Brighton, and I liked that very much. Thank you for introducing mm. it to me.
2: And uh, they've got a number of gigs coming up this year all across the UK and Ireland, if anyone would like to see mm. more of them.
3: I, I might try and see them in my Brighton, because I sound good.
2: Now, if you're a devotee of the UK radio drama (laughs) The Archers and you're listening to us in January 2023 and you're not quite up to date with the latest Archers news, fast forward five minutes now because we're going to be giving away a spoiler.
3: Or or pause, listen to The Archers and then come back. (laughs) Listen to The Archers and then come back. Yeah,
2: That's a very good way of doing it. Here's the thing. I used to be a regular Archers listener when life was more ordered. Before yes. catch up and BBC Sounds mm. and iPlayer and Netflix and everything else, we used to have to listen, for example, to a radio show when it was broadcast, or bad luck, you missed it.
3: Yes, exactly. And so you could just, write to the BBC for the transcript. My dad did that with a Radio Four documentary <laughs> once really? and got sent sure. it.
2: Good lord, I had no idea. Yeah,
3: you, I don't um, know. They still do, but used to. It wasn't. It might have been law in action or something like that. One of the documentaries, he, he they said it, they used to have a thing on like points of view saying if well, you wish for a transcript, right, send a stamped addressed envelope to PO box whatever it was, and he did and he got one, I think.
2: Well, I never. Well, <laughs> so it is now with the arches because mm. I know I can listen whenever I want. And the trouble is, I don't seem to bother because that urgency has gone. And mm. Now, a few days ago in The Arches, (is the spoiler, Jennifer Aldridge died. She's a character who's righty, featured in the yes. show for 60 years. Now, a generation ago, this would have been genuinely front page news. Yet in 2023, the story drifted by and Jules, this is the way it is now we've got unlimited choice over an unlimited time span so nothing matters nothing is important anymore
3: isn't that yeah that's it i never i haven't quite reckoned with this yet in that bold way this is why this this is why water cooler television does seem to become water cooler television now still when stuff isn't put up on catch up anymore. Part of the reason why the last series of line of duty blew up so much, partly because it had been, the previous series had been successful was partly because it took place in the, in the January to May, 2021 lockdown, which is an interview with Kelly Macdonald put it in the guardian. We were all allowed to play at police detectives for three <laughs> months. So because we didn't have much, I still got my AC 12 mug at home. We weren't, we didn't have much else to do. But partly, that was not released onto iPlayer. They didn't do the throw uh, six on iPlayer. You, it, it, like, they did this with the bodyguard, also by Jeb Mercurio, um, uh, um, with Keeley Hawes in it. That wasn't released onto iPlayer. That was dropped one a week. And it was like the old days, Terence. You had yeah. to wait for a week. And I think the delayed gratification built the hype. Now, interestingly, Happy Valley, which is the latest kind of everyone talking about it thing, is all, uh, I don't know if that's up on iPlayer. I think they might be doing that one a week because they were discussing this on Radio 4 this morning, how people are sort of not looking up anything about it because, I mean, I'm trying to catch up from previous series because I can't remember who anyone is. So it's interesting that it's very noticeable. The exceptions to the rule are noticeable now, aren't they? Like you say, that, that, that things are not, all instantly available on iplayer and yes it is it is less usual that people talk about something that has happened there are less unifying events like you say in terms of tv and radio mm. although when they do happen they do happen everyone i know watch line of duty like everyone and everyone i know obsessively talked every week about what you know who you know who was bent who wasn't bent what would happen you know that sort of thing And partly we didn't have much else to do at that point in our lives, admittedly, but also it, it, we didn't, it wasn't there, was it? You know, it wasn't, you couldn't just go on to iPlayer and catch up. Everyone was having to move at the same pace. And I think like you say, I think the archers is possibly and i take your point hmm. I, most of the people i know that listen to the archers I, i'm also an archers listener i dip in and out of it but i am semi-regular and i'm hilariously a member of so many facebook groups about the archers that have people posting in them that i feel like i've watched it every week anyway people in there don't worry about spoilers very much uh-huh. um but um which is you know fair enough I, i'm always anti people whinging about spoilers if you haven't been able to watch it at the time i'm sorry that's to some extent hard luck is my <laughs> View. I've always yes. been like this. I, I I people agree. people use it to sort of police my enjoyment and my talking about <laughs> things. It's, I'm happy to be considerate, but this, you know, Game of Thrones finished years ago. You know, <laughs> I can't not talk about this. I had someone whinging at me for spoiling Broad again. Broadchurch that was a big do on a few years ago. I mean, ten years ago now, but that was a bit was a big water cooler thing, and that wasn't released onto iPlayer. But, but the Archers, I think, is a little bit more immune from From BBC sounds, et cetera. I mean, I know people that catch up on on the omnibus, but I, you know, without casting any aspersions, most of the people I know that listen to the Archers are of the older generation, or like me, are kind of fuddy duddies before their time and And actually, we mostly tend to listen to it on Radio 4 as it goes out I mean I used to, I got into it because I used it used to be on oh, from 7 to a quarter past 7 on weekdays during my drive home from Kent and that's how I got into listening to it because I would just listen to it in the car and if there was a, during the Helen Archer and Rob Archer abusive marriage storyline I would often sit in the car outside the flat to wait for it to finish before I went indoors because it was very <laughs> gripping so I think the Archers is one of those things that is so old fashioned in a way or has such a core audience that I think that sort of matters less you know although having said that it's not the big storm it might have been I, I having said that I, I remember the Robin sto- Helen storyline being huge being a really big deal and I think it might have sounds might have been available then I think or certainly iPlayer catch-up was available mm-hmm. but it seems to become more podcasting to become a bigger thing within the last five years and I think we've talked about this before lockdown really did Uh, put uh, put rocket boosters under under podcasts and and sounds i think because as you say so well life became so fragmented and everybody became so siloed that you know you could do things at your own pace i suppose really it's it's hard to say and of course let's not forget one of the early big storylines in the in the arches which was the death of grace archer in a fire Mm. was done deliberately to scotch itv launching emmerdale on the same night that's why that happened because ITV were launching Emmerdale, and so the archers deliberately wrote a storyline that would uh, detract attention away from it.
2: I think this um, theory of overload mm. leading to so much choice yes. that we can't be bothered with it. But I mean, for example, I, I open Spotify sometimes. I've got literally the entire yes. catalogue of the world there, and I, after five minutes, I just think. Play some reggae or the Beatles. Isn't yeah, you? exactly.
3: I mean, I, I as someone said the other day that, that we were talking and we worked out between the two of us, we probably spend more time scrolling through Netflix and Prime, finding something to watch and yeah. making pl- making a watch list. My watch list got two hundred things in it of things that exactly. I meant to be watching. And it, you'll never watch and, them. You and and, and you know, I will probably watch The Simpsons on Disney Plus before I go really? to bed. You know, I, I agree with you. Is it yeah. can be overwhelming? I suppose. And the point I'm making is that the Archer scenes one of the last bastions I think of things that has a genuinely loyal audience I would say that seems to keep Mm. retaining a loyal audience but I don't know how long that will last
2: so if we take this theory of overload forward, I think it also merges neatly into into other area of, areas mm. of life, especially in the arts and publishing in particular. Yes. I had no wish to read Prince Harry's memoir, Spare, mm. but possibly just maybe again a generation ago. I might have been tempted by a copy just purely for nosiness. But in this age, even before it had been published, extracts were available. Harry himself gave countless interviews in which key moments were discussed, breakfast TV, talk shows on radio mm. TV, full of it. So any important or controversial parts of the book are widely known. There's absolutely no need to buy a copy of mm. it. And this also crossed my mind this week. When Harper Collins announced they've paid a sizable <laughs> sum to uh, publish The Memoirs of Boris Johnson. Once again, Jules, every nugget of info, every highlight in inverted commas will be scrutinised and discussed. You won't need to buy the book.
3: Well, it's interesting you say that, isn't it? I, I will push back a little bit on the Prince Harry spare thing. Like you, I've heard so much about this. I hmm. feel like I've written that book. Never mind, you know, sort of exactly. been, in, been in it. It was, you know, it was constantly. I feel I've on... lived
2: his life. Is
3: that <laughs> Nick Grimshaw said once? Watching Avatar in the original Avatar film, sat in the front row. I felt like I was in it. So, um, so yeah, it's a very sort of you know, they've constantly battered it on radio, radio for you know every day on today. They seem to have that. That. But um, I, I read, a, a, I've subscribed to a few Substack emailers, mm. which I always find interesting because I, 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 and I subscribe to a few that I don't always necessarily agree with everything, but I, I always find them thought provoking. And there's one called Conquest of the Useless, which is by a guy <laughs> called Mick, who's known as Broken Bottle Boy, I think on Twitter. And he always has a really interesting, I mean, fiercely sort of left wing, but an interesting kind of outside a perspective i think on the media and i always glean something from reading his emails even if there's things in them that i disagree with i think they're they're really thought-provoking and he's talked a bit about quite a lot about spare and he i think has read it and interestingly and i as you know i'm no great fan of quote unquote alt media you know mm. uh, you know i'm no critic I'm, I'm no uh, well i will criticize but i'm not a habitual disliker of the quote msm but he makes the point that actually if when he read the book um there's a lot more it's a lot more nuanced than one might expect and there's quite a lot of criticism of the media in it as one would expect and some quite telling stories about the behavior of the media which we haven't had pumped at us there were points that he made the quotes that he pulled out that were not amongst the constant repeated bits of information that i was boxed around the ears with by by the various sort of mainstream <laughs> things and so Do we get the full picture of these books, or do we get the narrative? that the outlets reporting us want to get of these books. I, I have a question mark over that. I'm not going to say I disagree with you, but I just think that's a point that's worth considering. As to the Boris Johnson thing, my my objections to that are not necessarily the fact that, um, you know, that I think the money is repulsive, but it's not necessarily the fact that, you know, I think the media will spin us a false narrative, although they very well might in some cases it's so soon after this has happened. I lived through this, you know, and it wasn't like I lived through this when I was a teenager. He was still prime minister less than a year ago. no, a year ago, he was prime minister, wasn't he? And, and I've, I find it just ridiculous that, and it's, it's straying to the territory because it's so soon. And, I just think of the parable of Matt Hancock, who tried to who tried to publish that very self-aggrandizing sort of book, didn't he, about, you know, rewriting history Mm -hmm. about Covid, it's sold 3,000 copies to date, I believe. So, um, so, and, and of course, Johnson has inexplicably, in my view, has more powerful friends in the media, like at the BBC, for example. We learned last week um, who easy. will who will be, I'm sure, drumming up business for him by by you know pumping everything out and and you know sort of encouraging us all to go and buy this book my view is i've lived through your history it wasn't very good quite a lot of people died because of poor quality decision making that you made i think it's you know, i just think it's offensive that people have the gall like matt hancock as well have the gall to publish these self aggrandizing things and i then have to hear about it constantly because they're in you know the media's in their pocket and they want me to buy it i uh, it's a no from me clive as my friend would say
2: Uh, a quick aside on prince harry the thing Mm. and and his criticism of uh, the media Mm.
3: the the thing that i can't ever quite
2: reconcile is that prince Mm. harry and prince william and Catherine, they want the media to be there when they're Mm. helping out in inverted commas at the food bank and uh, the the daily mail publishes color Mm. photos of them stacking some tomatoes in a crate they don't want the media there when it doesn't suit them.
3: Mm, and, and that's to like, some, that's to can some you extent. You have it both ways. Mm, that's just, exactly. That's to some extent a famous person thing, isn't it? Bob's well, is. talking about family, you know. But then having. With the said exception,
2: that... though, that if you're a famous pop star, you're making your own. Um, Way in life yes. through selling records. The trouble with Prince yes. Harry and Prince William is they rely on the public's goodwill to keep them in their right. places. And as and, many yes. royal families found in the
3: 20th yes. century,
2: especially around the war times, yes. it's very easy to be, um you know, take the monarchy taken away. Well, and look at Russia. The, well, Russia. So, so, Yeah. Amongst many Germany, Belgium, all of us,
3: all of a sudden it just it it, things can move very quickly. They can.
2: So they need, um, you know, unlike a pop star or a footballer who makes mm -hmm. their own fortune. Yes, exactly. These um, individuals are reliant on our goodwill. And that's
3: um, uh, that's such a shrewd yeah. point. I think that's so well put, and it's it's interesting as well. Speaking of just as a little aside from that, hmm. ways to be famous, there are certain that it is perfectly possible. To be in the public art, it, well, it's perfectly possible to do work that means you're in the public eye, work that the general public see. I think of sort of high, high quality TV, you know, sort of very famous TV actors and actresses or film actors and actresses or musicians. It is possible to do that, but you can have privacy if you behave in a way that an ordinary person would, if you see what I mean. So you can have privacy. Some people are relentlessly pursued by paparazzi. You mm. know, you often hear people like um, Claire Foy in the news recently because of a stalker mm. that she had to go to court mm. about, same with Kira Knightley, and you know, lots of these young women. I'm mm. always conscious having, I've got, you know, obviously younger female friends that, that are people of note in, in various different areas, and I constantly worry for them and mm. how exposed they are and how much danger, particularly as women as well, I would say. Mm. But having said and you know for the particularly in their in their cases they just do jobs that put them in the public eye you know they're not they're not they're not falling out of nightclubs to have their photograph taken by the no. paparazzi they're not they're not going to film premieres it is uh, although to some extent i know a couple of actors that go to film premieres because it's work because that's what well, that's part of the job to go and have your photo taken to publicize a film is part of the job to fall out of a nightclub partying is not part of the job that's no. a different thing so it is possible You know, with caveats that I think people are often harassed when they shouldn't be, it is possible to do to do a job that means you're in the public eye without behaving, you know, without necessarily making that devil's bargain by just, you know, going away and and not doing anything for a bit, if you see what I mean.
2: The absurdity of Johnson's memoir will be that Mm. it simply won't contain viable answers to the many questions that hover around him like flies. How many children does he have? What was Six or
3: seven, I believe. Or is it seven or eight now? I I can't quite. Track. What
2: was his relationship with Jennifer Arcouri? How much taxpayer's money did she receive? What happened that night in Carrie's flat when the, the yes. police were called? What did he promise Petronella Wyatt? What happened yes. at that villa in Italy, the one owned by the Lebedev family? And
3: every None single of... every single question you've asked so far is a different one to the one that I was going to ask about <laughs> other things. It just doesn't it doesn't end, does it? And the fact of the matter it's is what questions. what he might learn, like Mike Hancock did, Matt Hancock did, is if you if you something so soon after the event what have you got left that is new to say that we don't already know time brings perspective doesn't it time often teases out things that we weren't aware of at the time if I look back on an event that you know looking back on the events of the pandemic you know the things that happened in my life my father's illness you know that sort of thing I have a completely different perspective on that now than I did three years ago than I did two years ago Then I did a year ago I have a different perspective on it in five years ten years you know that sort mm. of thing and this kind of drive-by snapshot and it's the same for sort of celebrities and again to sound like my dad celebrities that have been famous for five minutes the cast of the only way is Essex maybe or Love Islanders some of them will inevitably publish books nowadays for G- for Gen Zers, couched in sort of self-help guides or things like that I suspect and you know they will sell Quite a bit. They have to get them out quick because their fame is fleeting, isn't it? I think mm. everyone knows that that you know they've only got well in the excellent drama that was written by Reggie Yates. I think um, "Make Me Famous." I think that we've talked about in the podcast previously. Mm. Literally in that, the thing opens with the bad boy of the previous year's Love Island style pro- program meeting his agent in a bar, and the agent being distracted by the fact that the most recent series is just finished and there is a new bad boy that everybody wants to speak to. So so in those cases, they don't have anything new to say, but they have to say it quickly because they won't be famous. Like it or not, and the latter very much in my case, Boris Johnson was prime minister. He will always have been a former prime minister. But, of course, the way that he behaved was more like a celebrity than it was a prime minister. And I suppose he would be the first to make the comparisons. He behaved almost like Roman emperors did, I think. I think, you know, being a, being a quote-unquote great classicist, he was always very keen on that. And those emperors behaved like celebrities that didn't want to hear the word no did they with no boundaries to their power so I so you feel like saying to him you know well I can see why he, you know he's not a serious figure is he and that was his that was the reason for his success and it was ultimately the reason for his downfall so you know it part of me thinks why don't you wait 15 years and then part of me thinks we're well, not going to be any more reflective in 15 years are you really oh, in no, his case sure. so, I, I
2: mean in johnson's case that memoir it'll all be fluffy clouds and no grit but oh, just absolutely, like
3: yes
2: just like jennifer from the arches and prince harry's uh vapid memoir it's all there all available anytime and so we just can't be bothered to find it anymore, in, yeah, in, in my so. opinion.
3: I will I will miss Jennifer, though. RIP. I believe that the actress is unwell, I think. So um, I'd seen rumours about it. So I'm not surprised. But Jennifer and Brian, one of the greatest ever fictional couples, in my view. There will be no one to tame Brian Aldridge now. What will happen? Charles Collingwood was interviewed on, on Radio 4 today, which is really strange. And someone said someone then put the inevitable comment in the artist's Facebook group. There's a man on Radio 4. Or claiming that he's brian aldridge <laughs> these yes. people are real they're not played by actors oh
2: absolutely surely. thanks very much for listening this week good to have you along always, always. and as she has case thank you as she hasn't yet published her memoirs uh the best way to keep up with juliet is through <laughs> her catalogue of radio shows
3: Oh, very well put. Yes, until I'm available for 99p in the bargain bin of the works, I'm afraid that you're going to have to put up with my radio shows. I do two now, which is very exciting, uh, for Noisebox Radio, a great station. I do uh, Smooth Sailing on Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m., which is a lovely live show of Yacht Rock, M.O.R., A.O.R., Easy Listening, you know, sort of Magic FM style vibes, really uplifting, relaxing, just sort of a nice way to, to glide towards the end of the week. I also do something on Thursday evenings called Lost for Words from 8 to 9 p.m., repeated on Tuesdays from 11 till midday, which is all instrumentals of all sorts, really. I try to aim to be a little bit more reflective, not always, but usually. And uh, you can find all of the back catalogue of those shows and all shows on Noisebox on our Mixcloud page. If you go on to Mixcloud and search Noisebox Radio, we have a channel on there where you can find all of the old programmes.
2: A fascinating music collective to play us out.
3: Oh, yes, indeed. I very much like this. There's a lot of really interesting um, sort of modern jazz coming out of Britain at the moment, and particularly sort of what I call genre crossing stuff that's very, um, that is not quite sure what it wants to be really but i but i think it's great for that reason i i really really like it i think it's i think it's i think this has got a great sound i love the kind of collaborative nature of young british music it's so diverse it's so interesting i i i heard this recently and i was i was really very taken by it so uh this is niba twist featuring cerise and flo hey.
0: Just feeling bubbling Got to learn let it flow Those dreams feel tense Trying to learn to enjoy silence